This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Renderking-Fisk, talk about not talking about partisan politics, letting crazy people have their peace so we know exactly who they are and who to avoid, domestic terrorism, conspiracies, midnight climax, military budgets, and the truth about social media selling data. All this light stuff coming up next on the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 92. So this is what this this is what happens when you know so many colorful characters. This is what happens. This is what happens when you've been around the block a couple of times and you meet very strange and unusual people. Oh, so anyway, um well, what is that? What is that? The the Chinese curse used to be. Uh, may you be blessed to live in interesting times. Maybe may you be blessed to live an interesting life. I guess. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because that's one of the things that we're going through uh, right now is just in interesting times. And I can't believe uh, I, I can't believe that this is the world we live in right now. Uh, do we want to take a moment or two and just talk about? Um, and I, I have refused to talk about partisan politics. I have refused to take sides in any political debate. And if that limits the number of things that I can talk about, then that so be it. Mm-hmm. I am I, never again will I put the power of the Fedora Chronicles radio show or the Fedora Chronicles website um, behind any particular party or candidate ever again. Unless maybe that person's a libertarian or a daily fedora wearer, and even that might be pushing it. But I will say that the whole the I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of John McCain's funeral. Uh, no, okay. no, I have not. I was amazed at the number of people who came across party lines to say goodbye to John McCain. I was surprised by that, and we were we were streaming. I'm not because that's always been a hallmark of of him is reaching across party lines. He's he's been, you know, he was probably the biggest Republican in the Gang of Eight back then. Yeah. You know, he's always had a history of reaching across party lines to the point where he's pissed off people within his own party. Um I know there's a lot of people that have uncharitably referred to him as a rhino. Yeah. and all of that. So it doesn't surprise me to see that that is being reciprocated. Yeah, and here's your thing. I'm glad actually yeah. to see that it. Yeah, and here's your thing. I don't care. I don't. Ca- I right. don't. I don't care what you think of John McCain. I mean, I care what Jason thinks of John McCain. I care about what our listeners, our regular listeners, to our loyal listeners. I care yeah. what they think to the extent. But it was just like this is all I will say about the whole episode is that it was amazing watching all the presidents all the living presidents that I can think of with the exception of George Sr. sitting there all together in the same pew for John McCain's funeral. And I was just right. like, why can't we have more of that? Right. And I mean, it, my personal feelings about John McCain, his politics aside, um, 
That man spent how much time in the Hanoi Hilton? Uh, I think it was, I think it's at least five years. Yeah. He was tortured to the point where for the rest of his life, he could not raise his hands above the height of his shoulders. Yeah. He was tortured. He was beaten. Yeah. And somewhere around one and a half or two years into it, he had the opportunity to go home because his father was a senator or an admiral or something like that. Yeah, his dad was. And he uh, said, who else is coming with me? And they said, no one. He said, then I'll stay. Yeah. That right there is the definition of a true hero. I may disagree with some of his political decisions he made later on in his life. I may disagree with everything else. Yeah. I may, e- even if he turned flat out, full on, freaking liberal, social justice warrior, that in and of itself, that one act, has earned him yeah. my eternal respect because I'm not sure I could do that if I was given the, if I was in that situation. Oh, I know I'm I couldn't. Sure I know I, I could. I would have been all right. Fine, I'm going home. I'll do what I can to get you guys. I promise. You know what I mean? I would. I just don't. I don't know. I have that for, that intestinal fortitude. I don't and think most people do not. No, I don't think so either. I think that that's the shocking thing, though. I, and yeah. here and here's the thing. I mean, uh, I, I had some pretty miserable episodes in my life, and I would have. You know, when I, you know, when I was a teen, nothing quite to the extent of being stuck in the Hanoi Hilton like he was. I mean, I was not, quote, a, quote, prisoner of war, unquote, unless, you know, um, my unless you count my 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 battles with modern fashion. Uh, and I can't even joke about that in 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 light of all of this. Right. And, and it was like, here's the thing that I think is amazing about death. And. It's it amazes me what what people will say after somebody else is gone. It's amazing to hear all the good things that people said about John McCain on both sides of the aisle after he passed away. Um, and it was it's shocking and it's delightful at the same time. And it was just like, well, where were these accolades? You know, back in two thousand eight. You know, I mean. Yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't I don't know when it was uh, and somebody had said that the world would be better off today if John McCain was in office um, and if he won the the uh, uh, the election in in uh, in 2000. Um, I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Nobody can't say no. Nobody would know. I don't think anybody's going to know. Well, because the thing you got to remember is the media wants to fixate on someone to, to for divisiveness. Yes. And with a president, John McCain would mean a vice president, Sarah Palin. So they would yeah. have that divisiveness with her while simultaneously she has very little to no power. Right. So they would have someone that they could use for vitriol and all that kind of stuff. So McCain, the the politician, the diplomat would be able to probably i think would be a lot more united now than we are than we currently are i think he would have navigated those waters better than barack obama did um because let's face it barack obama is in terms of unifying is no better than than donald trump neither one of them made any conceivable effort to unify the country i do think one could say they made efforts to further divide the country yeah, uh, yeah, you can you can say that. I will say that Barack Obama was a very divisive par- uh, president, and there were, he did say a lot of things that agitated a lot of people on the right. 
and for good reason and for ill, it doesn't matter. And that and um, and that's how it worked out. That's how that's how things happen in the election. And we're not going to like recampaign the election right now. We're not going to like you know oh, no. second guess the election because that's history. Um, but yeah, speaking of history, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that so what else is on your mind tonight? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, it's, you know, with, with all the stuff that I've got going on in my personal life, um, I I don't really delve into politics all that often anymore. Yeah. Uh, simply because I've got enough chaos. Um, I don't need to add more to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, I have seen a number of things about that people have said, like, for example, President Trump's response to the politicization of stuff that happened at both Aretha Franklin's funeral and at John McCain's right. funeral. And, you know, I, I forget exactly what the word, what the tweet was word for word, but basically said something along the lines of, remember when, uh, when funerals used to be about honoring the dead and not making political statements? No. No, I don't. I don't remember. I uh, Well, and, and that's kind of my point, right? Yeah. What he's saying is spot on. He's absolutely yeah. right. A funeral is not the place or the time for you to be bringing up, for anyone to be bringing up divisive politics. Right. And my mind goes back to when the liberal lion, Teddy Kennedy, passed away. Yeah. And got to be honest there. I did not like Teddy Kennedy. Right. I did not like any of his politics. I did not like a lot of the things the man did. I did not like a lot of the things the man stood for. The whole Mary Jo Kopechny thing that went on yeah, down there. Yeah. Um, all of that. Never. He never did anything to cause me to have any amount of personal respect for him. I respected his office. I respected yeah. the fact that he got elected to it by the idiots in the state <laughs> I was living in at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I was born and raised in. But at the same time, when he died, all my condolences and heartfelt condolences, yeah. honest, true, heartfelt condolences went out to his friends and family. He was still a man who was loved by people. Yeah. And for that reason, and if no other, for that reason alone, the world is a lesser place. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I'm why? Here's the here's the thing. Why do I feel the the urge to defend people in their political views, even if they do not align with mine? Um, people like because Ted, you're a good person. People like Teddy Kennedy. That's it. That's all you need to know. There's a reason why he he was voted back into office so many times. He spoke to the people of that state. And it was like, and here's the thing that drives me crazy. Whereas, like, who are you to second guess people in another state who voted for a candidate that you may not like? Like, for example, the senator of uh, Utah. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. Orrin Hatch. What what it, Warren Hatch and um, and Jason Chaffetz? Although Jason Chaffetz is leaving office, who cares what I think about the senator from Utah? So right. why from Utah? Huh? You're not in Utah. I'm not. In, I'm not <laughs> you are. But right. what? I mean, I think it's amazing how so many people have an opinion of Ted Kennedy that it was like, okay, yes, he helps pass the law, the laws of the nation. But you have your senator in your state. Rather than getting upset about what Ted Kennedy said, 
you are the exception because you used to live here in Massachusetts most of mm-hmm. your life. But these other people who have these opinions about Ted Kennedy, I don't care. I, I don't want to hear. And here's the thing. I don't even I, I don't want to hear your opinion about Jean Shaheen and my senator unless something she's specifically voted on affected you. And it right. was like, and why? And he, and here's the thing. The reason why I dislike Jean Shaheen has nothing to do with the party that she belongs to. I, I have actually liked and respected people who have served the state of New Hampshire, either in the state capitol or in Washington, D.C. I have liked and respected them um, regardless of, of their party affiliation. But here's a woman who at one point said that she wants to go after and censor people who say mean-spirited things about her and her husband um, on the Internet. Yeah, she has a she has a hit list. She has an enemies list and I'm on it, you know, and it was like, yep. but the thing is, it was like if if somebody were to say something like, let's just say somebody from Utah wanted to say something bad about Jean Shaheen. Why do I have the urge to suddenly defend her? I don't understand that. That's a part of my human nature. I don't understand. So well, the truth of the matter is the reason why you feel that urge is because you are at heart a good person. You can see beyond the politics and the divisiveness of the politics and all of that. And you can see that whereas it is possible for us to disagree with people, it is still possible for us to treat each other as human. And that is something that, ironically, my daughter and I um, were discussing just a little while ago when we were in the car. And that is that I think the Internet and, and social media has facilitated one of the baser needs of human nature, yeah. which is to lash out against people we disagree with behind the safety of anonymity that we have on the internet and in social media we feel that we can go ahead and call someone that we believe is miscast in a park for example yeah and call them absolutely horrible and horrendous names we can take a statement that was made by a freaking celebrity and take it out of context yeah and refuse to accept their apology or further explanation for why they said what they said yeah and then try and ruin their lives and eliminate their livelihood we can do that with social media and what that means is that we've placed ourselves safely in these bubbles where we no longer have to be confronted or assaulted by ideas we find distasteful right and that is not doing us any favors as a people no I understand the reasons behind it. I understand why people want to do that. I disagree that it should be something that we should encourage and continue simply because only by dealing with those that we disagree do we have any chance, any hope of being able to better ourselves as individuals and as people. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely totally right. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like hiding behind handles. I don't like hiding because, I mean, if I say something on Facebook and Twitter, with the exception of if I make an announcement on behalf of the entire Fedora Chronicles, I always use my own name. I Mm -hmm. always do that. Here's something that I uh, that's made me happier. If somebody is using a pseudonym or if somebody is using like a handle, um. And I don't know who it is that's that's saying what they're saying. 
I I can I can ignore them now. I can just move on with the rest of my life. You can be an online bully and it doesn't affect me anymore because I don't know your real name. If I knew your real name, then I could be upset. Then I could take offense to something that you said. But yeah, but then you have something that the um, the kids these days. I, I, I've always wanted to use that phrase. <laughs> old enough to use that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> the kids these days are referring to as doxing. Where yeah. people will publish personal information about you with the hope that other people will do something bad to you right. and yours. Like, for example, um, my daughter had mentioned this one particular person had said something bad. And so his phone, Facebook, email, his personal information, his where he lived and where he worked was published on the internet in the hopes that people would then go and do something to them. And I disagree with that. I completely disagree with that. I don't care if that person is an accused rapist. We live by a rule of law and in a rule in a society ruled by the rule of law, the law has to take precedence. Yeah. If the law screws up, we've got to accept it. And we have to move on. Now, there's some caveats there. Right. Me personally, if I believe that person is guilty, I don't have to associate with them. Right. If I, as a business owner, have a person in my community and in my potential customer base that I know is accused of something like that, and I believe them to be guilty, I have that right to refuse service. Yeah. Now I also have that right. I have the right to suffer the consequences of that. Right. You know what I mean? So it's people forget that we live in to live in a free society means you have to be ready to encounter danger. And that doesn't necessarily mean physical danger. The vast majority of the time it means emotional and mental danger. In other yeah. words, you're going to be meeting the vile members of the KKK. You're going to be seeing the vile members and possibly meeting the vile members of Antifa and these other, frankly, fringe organizations yeah. that have these vile practices because they have a right to speak. Yeah, They have a right to appear in public and espouse their horrible ideas. And then you, as a living, breathing, conscious person, have a right to to evaluate what they say and either agree with them or disagree with them. You have that right. You also have the right to speak out against them. What you do not have the right to do is prevent them from speaking. Your freedom of speech does not end because I say it ends. Yeah. And your freedom of speech, their freedom of speech does not end if the go- when the government says it does because that supersedes the government. The government is forbidden from preventing them from speaking. Now, me personally, I fully think that people like that should be given as much of a mouthpiece as they want to espouse their hatred. Yeah. Most people are going to be dismissive of it. Most people are going to say, wow, that sounds really hateful and stupid. I don't want to agree with that. In which case, we've lost nothing. Right. There are going to be some kook fringes out there say, oh, they make they make a good point. They make a good point. You know what? They were already thinking that anyway. They just didn't have anyone else they thought agreed with them. 
I mean, so now you know more yeah. about him. You know what I mean? Uh, here's here's the thing, and I had said this, and somebody was shocked that I said this. You know, feel free to say whatever it is you want to say. Be as offensive as you want to be, because not because I want to defend you. Again, it gets back to that. For some reason, I feel like defending the indefensible just to say, well, I don't think he's really that bad of a person sometimes. Yeah. Um, I do have this urge to defend people who are being marginalized for having thoughts and ideas that are not mainstream. But there are other times when if I find out you're a racist, I'll just fucking break into your house and piss in your cologne bottle again. Um <laughs> I, I, I want to know. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean again? <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yes, I, I, I have pissed in the cologne bottle of at least one known racist. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, I just want to know who the crazies are. You know, yeah. if you're if you're a crazy, tell me. I want to know so I know to avoid you. I don't I don't right. understand that. I want to know what you think about a various topics so I know th- there's no surprises when you turn out to be a nut. Right. I don't exactly. understand why that's a problem. If you're crazy, but, let us know. Drop us a right. line, you know? I mean, now, I think... I think it's important that we clarify that when we say crazy, we don't mean someone who is literally medically, clinically diagnosed as being insane. We mean you're just out there from left field. You're a freaking kook. No, that's what we mean. No, I I do mean I do uh, all varieties of crazy. I want to know who all the crazies are. I mean, not to be contradictory, I just want to know who are you. You know, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I don't know me. Me personally, like I've been going on that website Cora for a while now, and I, I took a break because of the the personal stuff going on, and I've yeah. been kind of dip, dipping my toe back in that that pool. And one thing that I see a lot of people discussing is do you think like one question i answered today was do you think the problem is guns or mental instability and i'm like i don't think it's either the problem isn't mental instability we're never going to get rid of that the problem isn't guns either because murderers are going to find a way to kill yeah the two largest you could call them terrorist events i prefer to think of them as mass murders that were committed in the united states in my lifetime where September 11th which was committed with yeah. airplanes and box cutters and the Oklahoma bombing which was committed with fertilizer and, and trucks yeah not a gun in sight okay so I also know that there was an attempted school bombing not that long ago within the last 10 years yeah and yeah. it got scary close to actually being successful and when I say scary close, I mean less than an hour away from the bombs going off is when the police stopped it. Yeah. Okay. Now, the decision was made to downplay everything in the media. The decision was made to mislead the media and the public so that they wouldn't realize how much danger the children were in when they were at school. Yeah. Because the plan was that they had bombs in the bleachers that children were sitting on at the time they stopped the plot they had a plan in place there was three young men that were involved in this the youngest ironically was the ringleader and the guy who thought everything through yeah they had there was a scheduled assembly so all of the school all of the people with the exception of some administrators but the vast majority of teachers and students both were going to be in the auditorium at the time where the bombs were 
the three people involved were each going to take one set of doors and lock them from the outside so no one could get out and then the bombs were going to go off that's some scary stuff yeah and when i say it was less than an hour i mean literally the assembly had already started when the police came when the police got involved and arrived at the school they walked in quietly plainclothes people walked in quietly and got the people the the two people that were still in the school as though the third one was the one that basically turned himself into the police and revealed the entire plan during the investigation they found out where they were making the bombs they saw where they were testing the bombs to ensure they worked they found detailed plans of how they were going to conduct the bombing and what the plan was and also projected estimates of how many people were going to get killed by the blast how many people were going to subsequently die of their injuries how many people were going to get injured from just the fallout of it that is crazy that's how much planning went into this that's how much planning went into this and it only failed because one of the three had a girlfriend and he called her that morning and said hey we should skip the assembly today yeah and she was and she's just said something in his voice told her there's something more going on here you need to find out so she pressed him on it she talked to him for 90 minutes before she convinced him to call the police and then he called the police that's crazy it's insane it's that is insane to think about but what the action was is evil that was not crazy that was one kid who decided to kill he found two other people who were sympathetic to his goals and susceptible to his persuasion and he planned everything he was the mastermind behind it in the legal uh, process that followed they laid the blame on the oldest child that was involved in it and he went to prison and is still in prison you know you guys he was he was 18 at the time you gotta send me the links to to uh to this incident and i, I want to put this on the show page um yeah because that's that's something that i want to follow up on i want to i want to get get behind that you know and now uh, remember hold on you have to remember that the um what you're going to read in the press is not going to be fully the truth of what happened yeah okay what, so see if you can find, yeah. send me some links I, w- I want to be able to read up on this and read up on some more by the way the, uh, i want to segue into something else i want i'm, I'm going to talk to um walt and jim about this uh, from the metaphysical connection later this week oh mm-hmm. there you go you just sent me a link um it's going to be on our show page this is going to be the fedora chronicles radio show number 92 uh so look so look at the uh, the link that uh that jason sent us did you get a chance to listen to this week's episode of the metaphysical connection i have not yet i have not yet it came out thursday right no it came out saturday so saturday so yeah no i have not it's i've been doing stuff with the kids all weekend oh shame on you no <laughs> i know right i'm such an awful person what the hell man i thought we were friends uh so the thing is is that we were um walt and i get on these kicks once in a while which is one of the reasons why i love doing the show with walt because the thing is is that sometimes one show 
will lead to another and lead to another. We follow this chain or this these links and this chain of thought. And this week we did a, uh, a, a two, I think it was an hour and a half, almost two hours talking about um, the CIA's project, Operation, no, I'm sorry, uh, Project Stargate. And uh, it's some scary stuff that the idea that the, the CIA actually had a program of using people who had alleged psychic abilities to do stuff like move things with their minds, bend spoons, try and read people's minds, re- doing remote viewing, like out of body experiences going into other locations around the world where they would just stare at coordinates and try and see with their inner mind what's going on at those coordinates. And apparently they had some success. That's mm-hmm. kind of documented. They may actually made, yeah, they made they made a movie about that called Men Who Stare at Coats. We actually talked about that movie and I'm going to have to re-review that for the Chronicles. And um, what's amazing to me is that I mentioned MKUltra. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, gover- the CIA had a lengthy program where they were they were drugging people they were drugging people and they had um all of these um programs to see if they could control people um with drugs and um just drugs and electroshock therapy and putting diodes into people's brains like physical electrical current into people's brains to get them to see if they can make them do things and there's a whole bunch of other sub programs that they had walt and i talked when we first did a show on mk ultra they had an um something called operation oh my god midnight midnight climax and i'm thinking to myself (laughs) that's what's wrong with these people that they come up with these names and the whole thing was using prostitutes to lure men into laboratories to do experiments on them I'm telling you, <laughs> coming up next on Cinemax. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Operation Midnight Climax. And it was and the thing is like you laugh out loud at some of these until you realize there are these guys who hard up, they thought that they were gonna bang prostitute and they found out that they were getting like electrodes put up their penis to see if they can control directions and stuff like that. And and shock people's testicles to see if they can uh, stimulate infertility um in turn fertility on and off with like literally with a light switch and it was just like it's funny as hell to think about but it's grotesque if you're the guy who's been abducted and it was like all of these things that had and um doing research for the show and doing research for the next show that we're going to be doing on the metaphysical connection i said does anybody have anything to say any experience whatsoever with mk ultra six people reached out to me in a span of 24 hours say you got to read this book i mean i'm telling you holy crap and it says here here's a book you have to read and by the way did you know that uh the CIA under MK Ultra were doing um, mind control experiments in the state of Vermont. 
Wouldn't surprise me. I did. I was unaware of that, but would not surprise me. And then they mentioned my hometown. <laughs> oh, jeez, really? Oh my god! And then they that explains a lot about you, actually. And then it, they, it they, really, they it kind of <laughs> they they mentioned my hometown and 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 an institution or a facility that I must have dro- driven by several times a week. <laughs> I'm just like, are are you seriously? And there's a woman out there who wrote a book about her experiences in these uh, programs, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is insane. Holy That's crap, nuts, man! That, that is nuts. That is that is just. I wow. I couldn't believe it. I I genuinely could not believe it. I so I looked up this woman's name, and we're trying to see if we're trying to see if she's still alive. First and foremost, we're trying to see if whether or not she wants to come on the show and talk about her book and her experience. And it was like I was amazed when it's like I said, "Do you know of anybody who has any experience with MK Ultra? Get in touch with me." And these people had said, "Oh yeah, here, here's something you have to look into." Um, and it was like one of the things is like uh, one of our listeners says, "You got, you have got to do. Don't try and interview this guy because a, I think he's dead, and b, he's a psychopath." Um, Doctor Jose Delgado is the name of the guy who under MK Ultra and other programs allegedly I'm I'm not sure if it was under MK Ultra but it was um he did experiments in uh mind control using electricity you actually in implanting diodes into um um and first he, you know animals mammals uh, guinea pigs then he moved up to monkeys then he moved up to bulls and then apparently he moved up to people oh my gosh this is your government people <laughs> my gosh and the pentagon uh. and the pentagon is missing 20 20 trillion dollars over a 20 year period of time and we're wondering i, I think i said this last time they're not missing shit they really aren't <laughs> they they know where it is they're just not admitting where it is they know where it was spent yeah they're not missing no government well the military does not misplace stuff of that magnitude well tell us i mean it's too bad i don't know anybody who was actually in the military who was in the coast guard who could tell me all about (laughs) how how do they how do they hand how how does the government or the military deal with something like that like when you were in the military how did they treat money or how did they how did they handle supplies you know this better than i do right so at the organizational unit level okay there is what's called in the coast guard anyway it's known as a storekeeper and that's just the rating that's the the job that person that that person has and the uh the storekeepers are in charge of all materials. And when I say materials, I don't mean M-A-T-E-R-I-A-L-S. I mean M-A-T-E-R-E-L-S, right? Okay. So um, what that means is that the um, they go in and they have an inventory of what is supposed to be on the base or, or the ship or whatever the organizational unit is. 
They have an inventory of items that have been used. They have a disposition of those items used. So like, for example, I was on a boat. We had three storekeepers on our boat. Every time we pulled into port and every time we left port, regardless of whether it was coming into our home port, just a place to resupply, whatever, the storekeepers knew what was coming on board the boat and how it was being paid for, what um, budgets it was coming out of, all of that stuff, all right? Everything from the food we ate to the supplies we used for cleaning to the ammunition. Now, I was in the weapons department. Every time we went out to sea, we shot the big gun that I was in charge of. The storekeepers were in charge of tracking how many rounds we fired and accounting for all of them. So when we sh when we planned our firing exercise, we would submit a report and it would go up through the chain of command and the storekeepers would get a portion of it that says, on this date, we fired off you know 50 rounds or 150 rounds or whatever it was. And they would allocate all of that. So all of that was allocated. Now that basic structure on my ship is duplicated at the uh, at each higher level of organization, right? So the Coast Guard has districts. So every unit in that district reports their expenditures up to the district level. The district then runs an audit every every month, I think it was, or every two months. Um, it's more frequently than once a quarter. And they verify, yes, so many rounds were fired by this cutter on this date according to this report that was filed at this date and at this time. Plain and simple. All That's right. how it's done. And that goes up from the district to the nation and on into Washington, D.C. The government, the military, I should say, not the government, the military, I want to be particular in my wording here, the military knows how every penny is spent. They know it, okay? Now, that being said, there are other organizations within the military, the greater military, like, for example, special operations. And in the world of special operations, there's three different kind of operations that, happen, that can happen. There's overt operations, which is where you see on the news people in helicopters jumping out, wearing uniforms with the U.S. flag on their shoulder, running in and doing what they got to do. That's overt. Yeah. There's covert where you see in the movies, people are wearing all black and they do not have any outward insignia that they are members of the U.S. military. They go in and they do something. Yeah. And then there's clandestine. Clandestine is when you start getting into the spy stuff. That is where... The main difference between clandestine and covert is that in a covert operation, some diplomat somewhere is talking to the diplomat representing where we conducted that operation. And, you know, say, for example, it's Iraq. You sent your people in to, to kill my people. And then our diplomat says, I am not going to confirm nor deny that. Right. It's a shame that it happened, though. And it's a shame that it happened after you told us you were not going to allow us to use that particular area as a base of operations for conducting anti-terrorist organizations. Yeah. That's just a shame. Yeah, You know, I, I, my heart goes out to you and your family. In other words, without ever admitting culpability, the two parties involved know who did what. 
in clandestine operations, if it if that same conversation, you sent people to kill my people, the conversation will be women. What? Who died? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you fucking kidding me? How the hell did that happen? Yeah. So there is no way of tracking back who did what. And by its very nature, the clandestine operations exist on what's called the shadow budget. So this is where in the 90s it was popular. Everyone said, the military pays $5,000 for a toilet seat. They never paid $5,000 for a toilet seat. They paid a lot of money so that, you know, Muammar Gaddafi could have a really, really bad day yeah. or something like that. But no one else could prove it. You know, that's how they hide those things in the budgets is they say, okay, yeah, we just throw it into the um, disposables budget. Well, hammers, tools, cleaning supplies, all that stuff is part of the disposables budget. Yeah. The military is by law required to to go with the lowest bidder on everything. Yeah. That includes the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the ships you're on, the guns you shoot. Everything, everything is by law built by the lowest bidder. The average person doesn't believe that because the budget is so high. The budget is so high because how else is the government going to hide those shadow operations? See, I don't know. That's the question is, and that's the reason well, that's why the I asked you this. So the thing yeah. is, is that the like the Pentagon in and of itself can could not the way things are run, the military as it were could not lose that money yeah they know where it is they just cannot or will not admit where it was spent okay now but it's i can tell you confidently that i was in 20 years ago and the budget budgetary numbers they're talking about of quote-unquote unaccounted unaccounted pales in comparison really in terms of percentage of spending during the height of the cold war i.e the 80s and 90s we are shot the shadow budget of the military was considerably higher percentage wise than it is now so the ten, right? so the $10,000 question that anybody would have anybody how does it, how does it happen no i mean the thing is is i i think that it you just explained how it happened it's not yeah. it, it's not the military in and of itself it's all these clandestine operations that's where it all disappears right now also the other thing i want you to understand too is that it's not just the military that has these shadow budgets the state department has shadow budgets the yeah. um department of homeland security now i bet i would be willing to bet a significant sum has a shadow budget all of there's a several different parts within the government that have these shadow budgets that are all contributing contributing to the intelligence operations that are being conducted. The CIA is really the most public face of our intelligence operations, but they are far from the only intelligence group that we have operating. You know, what well, you and I colloquially refer to as the alphabet suit right. right there's the cia the dia there's all these other play organizations that you and i don't even know the names for and somebody they does exist that. someone does and because they're paid for by the federal government i guarantee you it's not because the cia is smuggling cocaine across the border and making a crap ton of money with it okay yeah i'm not saying they're not but that's not how they're paying for everything 
Right. It's shadow budgets, right? Now, when an elected official is on a budgetary oversight committee, whether they're in the House or the Senate, they have a security clearance to kind of touch on something else that's been in the news fairly recently. Been in the news so much recently that I'm peripherally aware of it and I've been actively avoiding it. Yeah. Um, with the guy having his security clearance revoked. Security clearances are granted to military officers and elected officials based on need to know. Anytime someone leaves office and leaves the scope of needing to know, that security clearance is supposed to be revoked. Oftentimes it is not, and that is a courtesy to that person that it's not revoked. In the case of elected officials and high-ranking military officers, that's to help them facilitate getting a job now that they are no longer in the position that they held. Right. Every every security clearance has a time limit on it. It's only good for I want to say two to three years. It's it's a it's fairly short t- short time period. So what normally happens is they have their security clearance. They get out of their position. They no longer have need to know, but they still mean they still have that security clearance. They get hired by some civilian outfit that is contracted for whatever reasons. It could be something like Lockheed Martin, for example, where they're actually building aircraft sure. for the military. And you'd so want some you'd want to somebody it. to have a security clearance if they're building top secret right. airplanes or flying saucers. Exactly. And that security clearance then gets renewed at the expense of the company. But they don't have to conduct a new investigation. A renewal is a much less cost than than an obtaining. So when the civilian people get hired from college, the engineers go in, they have to get a security clearance, and the company has to foot the bill for the investigation for that. Yeah. Right? But if someone's moving from a government position, be it military or elected, and then goes into a company such as that, they come with a security clearance, which makes it more attractive for the company to hire them. And those are all based on courtesy. None of that, none of that is a requirement. In fact, you could say those courtesy security clearances are in violation of the law. However, because it's been a tradition for so long, just like with you know any entitlement program, if you are given something long enough, you believe you're entitled to it. Sure. And that's that's where the hubbub comes in. Why was he granted it? Well, he was granted it because he needed to know. Well, why was it taken in from taken away from him? Because he didn't need to know anymore. Well, that and Trump's an ass. But beyond that, there's no reason for him to continue to have a security clearance. If he needs another one, he can get one. Once you've had one, it's easier to get another one. It's just more expensive if it's been revoked from you to have another investigation conducted. I think one of the important things that people need to realize when we're talking about this guy who was a former director of the CIA, John Brennan, um, and he his um, clearance was revoked. What a lot of people don't seem to remember is that this is the same John Brennan who had a program within the CIA to spy on the Senate and the State Department. Um, and he <laughs> he actually was actually called on the carpet for this program, basically saying, sorry, not sorry. Uh, there's a lot of... Well, lot- it's, it's, you know, time heals all wounds, right? Yeah. 
you know, under the Obama administration, John Brennan was an asshole and a traitor in the press, and now he's their darling hero because it's Trump that's doing something negative to him. Yeah. You know, and that's the truth of the matter. And, and if people actually spent an ounce of time trying to remember things that they read in the papers and hear on the news, like they do, you know, the football scores or how many yards they got from on the weekend in their fantasy football league, I honestly think the country would be much better off as a result of it. I Simply because we would be able to see the hypocrisy that's going on. And to tie into some, a comment that you made earlier where it doesn't matter what I think about a senator from your state, how many times have you heard someone say, oh, they're all on the take, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And then you ask them, well, who'd you vote for? Well, I voted for this guy. Well, if they're all on the take, why did you vote for him? Well, he's not. I'm, I'm happy with how he's been voting. Are yeah. you really? Yeah. Are you really? How did he vote in the last? What was his last vote? And which way did it go? And how did you want? We it don't go? know. We, we, don't, we right. don't follow this. And all of its public record, by the way, you, every single elected officials in the Senate and the House has a website. And on that website, you can go in and see how they voted and the last time they voted. I know because I did this in the run up to the John Kerry election. Yeah. When John Kerry was going up against um, Bush. Yeah. And I was appalled. Absolutely appalled. I mean, I knew he was a worthless piece of crap. But I was appalled at just how worthless he was. A lot of people. In Thirty don't. years in the Senate, he's yeah. co-sponsored, didn't write, co-sponsored two bills in thirty years. Yeah, two, two bills. His vote in the in the year prior to the election, and I wanna, I don't. This is my memory, so it may not be correct. Yeah, his he voted present on more bills than he voted yay or nay to. That just meant he was there. I think it's amazing, like, when you talk to people about specific politicians. I'm hot to trot on a certain topic. Mm-hmm. Just pick any any topic whatsoever. And it's like, it, and if I'm passionate about it, I will, like, do research on this topic and how does it apply to certain politicians. And I think it's amazing how we're talking about, if we were going to be talking about what's been, go, you know, what's going on in the Senate or in the Congress, these congressional hearings about what's going on with the CIA. And I have a conversation with somebody, and I know going into a conversation, I'm going with somebody who is a hardcore Democrat or a hardcore Republican. And it's like, and I, and I will go and I will look at this person's, I, and I will do a Google search. I, I, I admit to using Google. I will, um, their senator's name, the controversy, like just say CIA, CIA mm-hmm. Oversight Committee, and all the talking. And I'll go through all the talking points and I'll also look at this person's voting record and what this person had to say about um, the topic at the hand. The topic yeah. at hand, like um, Annie Custer and CIA Oversight Committee or whatever. Why are we even talking about her? Because she's never been in any of these hearings. Why is it that she only made a statement about what's been going on with 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 this spending issue until it became a hot button topic? People don't know how to answer that. People are like, right. oh, but Annie Custer is going to do the right thing. How do you know? Well, for, first of all, if she's not on the right committee, she's not doing anything. 
So why do we it's care? The truth of the matter. I think it's. I That's, think. I, I think it's amazing. Whereas, is like politics has become like a blood sport. You know, we we have no idea what our politicians are doing, and yet no, we, we don't. We defend we don't. them because they belong to the right team. It, it's like it's like the Super Bowl. Every every day in the realm of politics, it's the Super Bowl. It's your team against their team, and whatever their team does is an atrocity. It, they're either morons or evil, and everything that our team does is perfect, good, and righteous, and never right. stops to make us think. Let's turn it around and say, oh, if the if it if my guy did that, would I be defending it? If if their guy did the bad thing that my guy just did, how would I feel about that? Well, it's like, take, for example, Jason Chaffetz, right? Yeah. Jason Chaffetz is leaving the Senate. Now, there's a lot of speculation on why he's leaving. He's saying he wants to spend more time with his family, which is, I you know, the standard that. line anytime someone doesn't follow through all the way through with what they've been elected. To I do. want to spend more time with my family is code for I know I'm, I'm not going to get reelected because the media knows no, I did something. Horrible. Not necessarily. Really? Because I can tell you right now, Jason Chavitz will get reelected. If he if he were to choose to run again, he would get reelected. Whenever, I can guarantee you that. I can tell you 99% of the time when I hear I'm leaving to spend more time with my family, that's code for something else. That's like code. Oh, it is. For, it absolutely yeah. is code for something else. It's just in his case, it's okay. not code for I can't win re-election. All right. His name has been brought up as a possible um, Supreme Court nominee. Okay. His name has also been brought up as a possible presidential candidate, yeah. not in 2020, but possibly 2020. Um, depending on how things go with Trump, of course. Yeah. So his political horizons are wide open right now, and he's taking a step back. So he's either taking a step back because he doesn't want that attention, and he genuinely does want to spend time with his wife and kids and spend more time with his family, yeah. or he's considering other options for his future. Now, I have a lot of respect for Jason Chaffetz. I have seen the clips of him bringing other Republicans to task. He and Trey Gowdy, I've seen the two of them bringing other Republicans to task and saying, why did you do this? You are right. making us look bad now. <laughs> yeah, which is nice, which is nice to hear that they'll say, they'll admit that. Exactly. And Trey Gowdy, BT dubs, is another one who is leaving the Senate. Yeah. So here we are to now the the conservative side of the aisle is, is now poorer by two candidates. So... You know, and that's that's two percent. Yeah, there <laughs> you 10% go. Ten percent of the conservative side, the alleged secure, uh, conservative side. Right. You know, there's talk about well, Mitt Romney has officially thrown his ring in to replace Orrin Hatch in the Senate. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I liked Mitt Romney as a presidential candidate. I liked him when I was in Massachusetts, and he was governor of Massachusetts. He did a lot of things that made sense from a financial standpoint. Some of what he did did not make sense from a political standpoint, and I honestly think he should have known better. One of the things he did is there used to be two highway authorities in the state of Massachusetts. One was dedicated to the Massachusetts Turnpike, which was a toll road, um, otherwise known as I-90, that ran from the New York border all the way into Boston. Yeah. And what he did was merge that underneath the, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation. What happened when he did that, what he hoped was going to happen is the people that were in charge of the turnpike, which he put then in charge of the Mass Department of Transportation, 
they were supposed to because up until then the massachusetts turnpike was one of the best kept roads in the united states in the lower 48 it was one of the best roads that they that existed in the infrastructure and his thinking which is standard businessman thinking is you take the poor performers and get rid of them and you take the responsibilities that those poor performers had and give it to a good that someone that's a high performer a good performer and then everything gets better yeah which makes sense in the business world not in the political world so he got rid of uh what <laughs> what some people refer to as fat cat amarillo who was the guy in charge of the massachusetts department of transportation he put the uh turnpike authority people in charge of it thinking that all of the rest of the roads in massachusetts the state-run roads which were crap would then become better taken care of that's not what happened what ended up happening was the turnpike became a piece of crap as well yeah so yeah I, and you live out there man you know what i mean. i drive the roads every single day um so, and i and i will tell you there are times when a lot of people will ask me, like, what's the deal with the roads? As a matter of fact, I am getting uh, $1,500 worth of repairs done on the Ford Flex because of Massachusetts roads, specifically Boston roads. Yeah. You see right. all, all these beautiful high rises that are going up. And I understand, like, I know that that's not state money, or at least I hope it's not state money. Well, you're um, wondering why they dug the basements for those roads in the middle of the highway, though, or those those buildings. So, I know I I completely understand with you. I mean, a pothole in Massachusetts is closer akin to a sinkhole in Florida that eats up buildings. Yeah, and, uh, it's it, really Jay's, and, and, quite shocking. And for the listeners here, I will tell you, Jay's not speaking hyperbole. There are some awful. Um, potholes out there that can and will even if you have a crossover suv god help you if you're driving something smaller could will literally destroy your suspension the question is is that here i mean we're 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 now at the end of august we're recording this on uh september 3rd um we're looking more into winter we're, we're heading into winter right now or at least autumn i know but the thing is winter is not that far away and a lot of the potholes that were created in the middle of winter or because of winter have not been filled in yet in a lot of places this is just massachusetts i'm a, we're, yeah. i'm also talking about i've noticed the erosion of the infrastructure all over all over the northeast and the question mm -hmm. is, is that we, we're, we're spending money like crazy. We're burning through money like crazy. Deficit spending like you would not believe. And so many people want to blame this politician or that politician. And the thing right. is, is that in now, my, I have to, seen... To help illustrate that, to help illustrate that, Barack Obama increased the, definite, the deficit exponentially, but reduced the debt. I don't. Yeah. Okay. But wh so what about the what about the? There's a part of you that's like, well, which is better? <laughs> Are we better off reducing our deficit but maintaining the debt? Are we better off paying down the debt but increasing our deficit? I don't think so. And where's the where, where's that money going? Because it's not going, it's not going to the infrastructure here in the Northeast. And I've and 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 I'm telling you, in the 20 years that my wife and I have lived here. We have seen 
um, the state, we've seen the state, either in New Hampshire or Massachusetts, um, we uh, switch parties, party majority. Um, in in the uh, in in the federal government, we've seen at, at least three or four turnovers from two different, you know, from one one party having majority to the other. Nothing mm-hmm. has changed in twenty years. Nothing has changed. The infrastructure has been has been eroding. There are now, I, I have witnessed bridges close here in the northeast close six months a year a year and a half until they're until they're finally replaced because they've been in such bad shape right across the border one bridge in particular we had to take a dog leg around to get around because the bridge was closed and 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 then and then you read about how the pentagon and i and i know i'm perseverating yeah, losing twenty trillion dollars over the span of twenty years, more or less. And the thing right. is, is that well, where's the outrage? Well, here's the problem, right? The fact that things have changed hands so many times during that time frame, and nothing has changed, tells you that it doesn't matter what the parenthetical letter is after the person that's being voted into Congress. Yeah. The problem is the people in Congress. Right. Because the president sets the budget. He says, we're not going to spend more than this, more than that, more than, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he can, he breaks it down by department. Now, this Congress approves it or doesn't approve of it. And they can make changes to that budget once it's been approved. Yeah. So everyone forgets that. We tend to praise the president when the economy's going well and condemn them when it's not. And at the same time, forget that we have a 90%, what do they call it, recidivism, yeah. where they where they keep them in Congress. We have a 90% if you're in the, the Senate. 90%, if you are elected into the, into the Senate, you have a damn good chance of getting reelected. Yeah. Regardless of how you do. Again, look at John Kerry man was in the senate for 30 years and didn't do a bloody thing the entire time right yeah and if it's in the house of representatives lately it's been closer to 70 75 percent things are starting to change and i think that that's the thing no not necessarily it's i don't think it has changed because the reason why the numbers are lower now is because a lot of the people that were elected as tea party people are not running for re-election they're getting out oh well you know, because it's like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the answer is. I, I Well, here's the problem, right? Everyone says first thing comes into mind is term limits. Well, the problem then it becomes is that the unelected bureaucracy is the power. Because what happens when a congressman comes in, whether in the House or the Senate, the first thing that they get asked if they're an independent is, who are you going to caucus with, Democrats or the Republicans? And you only have two answers. Democrats or Republicans. You can't say, I want to caucus with the Republicans on these issues, and I want to caucus with the Democrats on these issues. That is not an option. You are either in the Democrat Party in all but name, or you're in the Republican Party all but name. And then once that's decided, you get handed what con- what committees you're going to be on, 
you get handed staff, you get handed all your office, you get assigned an office, you get handed a schedule and all this other kind of stuff. And your life is pretty much run, except when you're actively in the meeting, your life is run by those people, that staff that you've been given and assigned by Congress itself. So who pays their salary? Obviously, we the people do. But in terms of party, where are their loyalties? I think that that's, that's, a very the, big, that, that's the biggest problem right there. And I think that that's, that's exactly. where. So how do we change it, though? That is the question. I, I, I'm telling you, I, it is it. I don't know. I, I hear, and here's the thing. I and the older I get, the more I realize I have no idea what the solutions are, uh, other than the fact that it was just like maybe we got to stop voting for people based on the party that they belong to, and start like looking at the people at what they actually do, what what do they actually believe, how do they vote? And it was just like because well, it's because the thing I, is, I agree this, with that. But how do you? It's it's convenient shorthand. The parties are convenient shorthand. Okay. If you lean to the left and you prefer big government, you're going to vote Democrat. If you lean to the right and prefer smaller government, you're going to vote Republican. Truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter who you vote for, you're going to get a bigger government. The two largest increases in government were, con- were done by two people that were considered to be very conservative politicians, which is George Bush and Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Those are the two biggest periods of governmental growth. When George Bush created the Department of Homeland Security, he created an entire cabinet-level position and everything that goes with it. That was a huge growth of government, one that I, at the time, understood why he did it, but disagreed with him doing. Oh, and to this day, to this day, we're still looking at, I look at what happened with the Department of Homeland Security and what what they're doing, and and it is... We, now, we are crossing yeah. deep into George Orwell's 1984 now. Um, a lot of the Orwellian things that we hear about happening has a lot to do with the Department of Homeland Security taking control over the NSA, the CIA, maybe maybe not the CIA, because I think the CIA is still an autonomous organization, especially after we're going to have to have another talk about I'll, JFK sooner. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 agree with you that it's an autonomous organization as long as we put autonomous in quotes. I honestly believe that having this huge, large, ubiquitous agency this department that is in control of everything from the fda to fema to um the dea well all of it i live i live about 40 minutes north of a facility that was paid for by the bush administration and continued under the obama administration that is six football fields in size per floor there are six floors going underground and three floors going above ground and it exists for one purpose and one purpose only to gather and store data generated by the american people that's a topic that's a topic for another podcast (laughs) oh it it absolutely is but the the truth of the matter is is everyone gets upset oh my gosh facebook and google are selling our information well, how do you think they made the billions they've got when you're not paying for it? Unless you're paying for commercials like I am on Facebook. That's, right. That's but who, at the that's, same time, the, the people who go to the Facebook Chronicles on Facebook 
right? Go or Facebook Chronicles, the Fedora Chronicles on Facebook. Their data, the fact that they went there and what they looked at when they went there, all of that is being mined by Facebook so they can then sell it to advertisers so they can make money. Yeah, this is a topic that we have touched upon many times before, whereas like they're selling the access to the data that we give them. Whether and it's we're on, taking their word for it that it's blind. Right. Uh, right. Sure. Sure. So now, so now Google does the same thing. And what people forget is everyone thinks of Google, they think of the search engine. The truth of the matter is, is that Google Chrome is the number one browser in use, right? Yeah. Everything you do on the internet is tracked and stored by the browser. Even if you go into incognito mode or porn mode, as we call it, even if you go into that, the browser knows what you're looking up, how much time you spent looking at it, all of that stuff. Whether you spent that time on the Fedora Chronicles, whether you spent it on Pornhub, whether you spent it on, you know, Basket Weaving 101, it doesn't matter. It's storing that information and it's taking that information and gathering it and combining it with everything else you do online because you have to use a browser to do most of what you do online. And Google Chrome. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but if you go into Task Manager yeah. and you do not have Google Chrome running, there is a Google Chrome instance running in the background, okay? Yeah. And it's labeled something ubiquitous like Starter or something like that. What it's actually doing is actually tracking everything you do online at all. If you're playing a video game, what video game are you playing? Are you going through Steam? Are you going using Discord? Using um blizzard blizzard.net are you you know whatever else you're using to play that video game which video game are you playing how much data is it using how long are you spending playing it? all of that is being gathered all right now that's all part of the eula you agree to that in every in that 75 page thing that you scroll down everyone agrees to it blindly and we yeah. don't know what they're doing what they're doing is saying we're going to gather information on you we're making a contract with you that we're going to keep your name and identity private and we are going to use that in order for us to generate revenue now google is not alone in this this happens on mac operating systems this happens on every single browser from edge to chrome to firefox vivaldi opera everything except possibly some of the the tour stuff that's out there um and it gathers all of that information and that's what they use and that's what they sell now google and apple and facebook have never ever denied the federal government a request for information at the most what they've done is say do you have a warrant and the government can nine times out of ten produce a warrant and bam they give you all that information which means if the government were to come to google and say what does Eric Fisk do most of his time when he's on the internet? Here is a warrant for this information. They'll cheerfully turn it over and say, Eric spends this much time using Adobe products. He spends this much time um, operating the FedoraChronicles.com, the ElectricSpeakeasy.com. He spends this much time doing this, that, and the other thing. Everything you do online, they will, and they will say, this is how it spreads out over the course of a seven-day week. And this is how it spreads out over a month. This yeah. is how it spreads out over the past year, going back to the conditions of the warrant. And here's the thing. I know for a fact, because the thing is, is that the attorney general here in New Hampshire did exactly that. They actually wanted to know all the URLs that I owned uh, back in 2015. Yeah. 
the idea that yeah. they don't do I that. I remember that phone call. <laughs> I remember you calling me. What the fuck? <laughs> you and the and here's the thing. And what what do I do? I talk about conspiracy theories, I talk about film noir, diesel punk stuff. And the thing is that it was just like and I put out these little warnings. And it's yep. like a what and here here's the thing. Why why am I such a threat? It's not just me. Oh no, it's not. It's not just me. It's me and everybody else who is saying similar things like, look, the political parties are not your friend. You, yeah. your, your political party does not care about you. Like, now, and I'll use, you're actually safer saying that all Democrats are evil than you are saying that both parties are the problem. Yeah. Because the thing is that it was, I mean, I feel like that guy in that episode of, of the Twilight Zone screaming, it's a cookbook, it's a cookbook. You know, that's, that's, and I, I do, I, sometimes I feel like I'm that crazy guy because the thing is, is that the more, like, I got into, I got into trouble for encouraging people to go on WikiLeaks and see what they have to say about internet security, cybersecurity. How are they, how are they maintaining your data? I remember I made a, I made I remember when CNN published the WikiLeaks stuff, they actually, the anchor on CNN said, now it is illegal for you as a private citizen to read this and to be in possession of this information. So we're going to tell you what it says. And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. Are you serious? You're actually saying that to the American people. And people ate it up. Yeah. People ate it up. They really did. I was like, just just mind boggling to me that CNN can literally say that. And people are like, oh, oh, well. Oh, but it was on CNN, Jay. It was on CNN. So it can't be wrong. Well, and here's here's the other thing, too, that kills me, right? Now, I just said a whole bunch of stuff very negative about our government and the way our government do, does things. I've also said some things that are very negative about how Google and Facebook do things. Yeah. Do I use Google products? I absolutely do. Do I use Facebook products? I absolutely do. Because I understand how expensive it is to run a data center. Yeah. I've been in data center operations, and people... I love it when when people, especially younger people who don't know any better, say things like, oh, the Internet should be free. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 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 So should gas. So, okay, whatever. You know, because it's incredibly expensive. Ask me how I know. I mean, it's expensive to run a website. Now, websites live on servers that sit in data centers. How expensive do you think it is to run a data center? If you want a clue of how expensive it is, turn on your internet, start downloading something, have it download one thing after another consistently for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four weeks out of the, or a month. Yeah. While simultaneously turning on every single electrical appliance you have to the most highest setting of energy usage. And turn on all your water faucets and let all of that run for the entire month. Look at your bills. In an average house, average house in the United States being roughly around 16 to 1,900 square feet, the average house, that much that they would spend on a bill, depending on what state you're in, is going to equal about two days, one day to two days of a data center that is about 1,000 square feet. Yeah. 
We're, we're talking about it costs. I'm not even going to. I'm not. I don't even want to talk about the numbers. How much it actually costs to run certain things oh, yeah. on the internet. Um, I mean, we got to wrap this up because obviously we're 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 yeah, we're yeah. running we're running, running out of so, time and and, and yeah. we're going down a rabbit hole. I think that my final thought for all of this is saying I don't I don't know what the grand solution is, but I think that I think bipartisanship, genuine bipartisanship is the answer to a lot of these problems. Stop blaming the other people on the other side of the party. Stop voting for the party. Stop voting for celebrity candidates as well. Well, Uh, and I I think that's part of it. I also think that the real solution is the hardest solution, which is we, as the people of the United States, need to start having our eyes open on what we're doing and what we're what we're saying and being mindful of the fact that the people on the other side believe just as strongly and have as many strongly held convictions as you do for why they disagree with you it's not because they're evil it's not because they're racist it's not because they just want to control your money it's not because they want to have power over you that's not why people vote Democrat or Republican. That really isn't. They're voting that way because of a strongly held belief. Yeah. So step one is to recognize that it's a strongly held belief, that we are not always going to agree, that their reasons for, doing, for voting opposite of what you vote does not mean they're stupid or dumb or do not have a say or shouldn't have a say. We need to stop thinking that. The second thing we need to do is we need to understand that when you are giving information in as massive amounts as we are to places like Google and Facebook and Firefox and Microsoft and Apple and all of that, they're going to use it to make money. Businesses exist to make money. That doesn't mean they're evil. Okay. Personally, I disagree with Apple because they try to champion they try to place themselves as a champion for something they can't possibly be the champion of if they're really making the money they're making. It's just no way. Their products don't cost. They, their products cost a lot. They don't cost cost enough to justify the amount of income that they have. So they're using the They're using the data too that they're gathering, and they are absolute data. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't do business with them. That doesn't mean you shouldn't use their products. You should just be aware that that's what's going on, right? Yeah. And we need to take the good with the bad as a society. There's only one person who ever existed on this world who was perfect. And well, his name is on the side of a lot of buildings with some religious symbol symbology tied to it. Okay? So everyone has faults. Nobody is perfect. That means Barack Obama... You know, in all honesty, I disagree with Barack Obama and everything that I have ever heard him say. But I would rather go to a barbecue and sit in the backyard with Barack Obama than Donald Trump. Yeah. I really would. Yeah. He just seems like he'd be an easier guy to talk to. Stuff. <laughs> you know, Trump is just far too arrogant and he's just an ass. Well, However, yeah. politically, I agreed with I have agreed with more of what Trump has done than what Obama has done. It doesn't mean that I, you know, I, I hate Trump. It doesn't mean that I'm a Trump lover. I didn't vote for him. Yeah. Depending on who's running again, I probably won't vote for him again. Right. 
But I think honestly, if we start from from those three basic things, we have to be honest with ourselves, keep our eyes open, and be truthful and honest to ourselves that just because I disagree with them doesn't make them bad. Yeah. Just because I believe it doesn't make me good. And they may be doing something I think is underhanded, but is it underhanded enough for me to no longer enjoy what I enjoy as a result of right? Like in the case of Facebook. That's, I use Facebook yeah. sparingly, but it's the only way I can maintain contact with certain people. It's I, the only way I have of doing it, so I still use it. Yeah, I, Google yeah. has a lot of really cool products. They really do. I don't like what they do as a company. I, I don't like them at all. But my options are to use something that's not as good or pay for it. Right now, I can't afford to pay for it, and I really don't want to use something <laughs> that's not as good. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to go into it knowing that they're using the information they're gathering about me to make money. Okay, fine. At least not coming out of my pocket. Yeah. Directly. And I think that that's the perfect place where we need to leave it tonight. And with the, just the caveat mTOR, just the buyer, <laughs> buyer beware. Another, Indeed. Another great show, Jay. And I, and unless of course we get apprehended by uh, DARPA or the NSA or the department of Homeland security. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. All right. Good night, Jack. Right. I got I, I got an, I got to answer the door. Someone's knocking at uh, nine fifty in at night. So uh, I that guess sounds I, like an important thing to answer. I'll Go talk, to that. Talk to you later, Jay. All righty. Bye bye. This has been the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, sponsored by our Zazzle page. You can find plenty of products with our logos and slogans, such as T-shirts and coffee mugs. There are more products on the way, so check back often. Support us and show off your style by going to zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. You can also follow us on Twitter via our handle, at Fedora Chronicle. And join us on Facebook under groups slash Fedora Chronicles. We also have our own group, The Electric Speakeasy. Go to www.electricspeakeasy.com to join the conversations. Don't forget our main site, thefedorachronicles.com, where we have links to all of our columns, reviews, and all things retrocentric, including diesel punk, film noir, and other genres. It's the website geared toward looking at modern life in the 21st century through the lens of amateur historians with a slight dose of self-deprecating humor. Finally, don't forget to check out our other podcast, The Metaphysical Connection. We just became the third best podcast for the paranormal, unexplained phenomenon, and conspiracy theories. Go to metaphysicalpodcast.com. It's the one podcast I guarantee you'll lose sleep over. This is Carol Fisk signing off for my husband, Eric Renderkin Fisk who has to take out the trash. Reminding all of you to keep your chin up and your fedora on. 